0: Welcome to the Simple Church podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. That's part of the course sometimes, so. But uh, but so here's what we're doing. We are uh, in this series, and, w- and what we're doing is is uh, there's an Old Testament prophecy about the New Testament church. This is our theme verse, and it's found in Zechariah, and it speaks to this need for God. And, and what God would do in our time, okay, in the, in the New Testament church. He, and he says this in Zechariah 4, 6, This is the word of the Lord that it will be not by, my, by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It means it's that what God is going to do in this end time has nothing to do with you specifically. It has everything to do with what he wants to do and the power that he's going to give us to do it in. Amen, everybody? It is not going to be by your strength or what you can pull off. Now, this word spirit here in this verse, because this is the Old Testament, it's written in Hebrew, and it's the word ruach. And it literally means, if you translate it, the breath of God. And it's not really the word breath. Uh, it's kind of odd because we, the translators have to translate this word breath. But if they were to translate it, it would actually just be, but you can't write on a page. You have to write breath, right? So, because that, that's the way it would actually be translated is breath. And it's not just about the breath. It's about the power within the breath to move you. Oh, let me try it this way. In the New Testament, when it talks about and uses this word spirit, it's the word pneuma. And pneuma means wind. It is something that propels us, right? So God says it's going to be by his spirit. It's going to be by something that propels us to do something that we couldn't do on our own. I'll, I'll try it over here. <laughs> <It'll be laughs> this is God's what God's spirit is for, so that we can do something we could not do on our own. And that's what the series is all about. It's the spirit-empowered, spirit-filled life. Last week we talked about spirit-filled prayer. Today I'm going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And next week we're going to talk about about, about holiness. And this is, this is one of those subjects you said, that sounds boring. It's not, I promise you. Because holiness has everything to do with the deep transformative work that the Holy Spirit wants to do deep down within you. So tomorrow, or to, not tomorrow, next week is going to be a very, very important Sunday. Do not miss that in the series. And then I'm going to wrap the whole series up the following week talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit supernaturally enables us to do things so you're not going to want to miss it but let's start here today in first corinthians 4 20 it says for the kingdom of god is not just a lot of talk it's, it's just not it's not a lot of talk a lot of christianity is about talk we come here on sundays you hear the message and on the way home or even even on your way out you're high-fiving people man that was good i got lots of good notes And then you get in the car, and you're talking to to your spouse or your kids or somebody you brought to church, and you're talking about it on the way home. You're talking. You get to your small group, and you're talking about what God said in the message on Sunday. Wow, isn't that neat? You even go to your journal that night, and you might journal a little bit. Now you're just talking, but you're talking in writing. We talk with our, our friends about what a great service it was and about what we heard But we don't do anything with what we heard. We talk a lot about it. We share it. We remember it. We meditate on it. God, I remember what you said. But when it comes time to do it, we don't do anything with it. And God's being really clear. Paul is being really clear here. He said, He said, the Kingdom of God's not just about talk. You've heard it said talk is cheap. yeah, it's cheap cost you nothing to say some things he says it's a living by god's power it's living by god's power see when we live by god's power we're transformed we're made different and when we're made different we act different we do different we live different we need more than talk we need to live it and do something with it you say how how do i do that by learning to live by god's power that's how we do it in the New Testament. The word "power" is the word "dunamis." It's in the, it's that Greek, and it, it's translated simply supernatural ability and strength. It's like dunamis. Dunamis is where we get the word uh, get the word dynamite, right? It's explosive power. This is the power God wants to have at work on the inside of you—that explosive power. So, how do we live that life? I've got one verse that I want to want you to see before I get to the rest. Uh, of the message. And, and let me just preface it by saying this. You know, Jesus lived here on this earth. He lived here for 33 years. The last three years of his life was his earthly ministry time. And, and and what he did was he gathered disciples and he taught and he went around doing good and healing people and raising people from the dead. And Jesus did amazing things. But his mission while he was here was to seek and save the lost. That, that's why he was here. And so Jesus, of course, he gets brutally murdered, and, and wrongly accused, and beaten, and, and, and when, he, when, he, when he dies, he, he goes into the tomb, and he's there for three days, and then he resurrects. He spends 40 days here on this earth meeting with his disciples, and talking to them, and teaching them, and, and restoring some of them, because some of them, man, they, they, when Jesus got in trouble, they turned tail and ran, and so Jesus spent time restoring them. He spent time comforting them, but then he spent time empowering them, and giving them some final words. In fact, the final words Jesus gave them, he, he gave them some final instructions. And how many of you guys know that, that last words are pretty important, you know? Like, if, if these were the last words I knew I was going to say to you, I, I would want them to be memorable. I would want them to be in your heart. They're very, very important. And here's what Jesus said. These are his final words in Acts 180. He said, but, but you will receive power, this is dunamis, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And he goes on to tell them why. Why is the Spirit going to come on them? Well, so that they can be witnesses. So they can be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This this is why. They needed power to do what he had called them to do in the first place, to tell everybody his story, to tell everybody that Jesus was the Messiah. But he tells them they can't fulfill what he's called them to do without that power. And so he tells them, don't do anything right now. He said, I'm getting ready to leave. What I want you to do is go and sit and wait. I don't don't want you to try to do anything because if you do anything right now, you're gonna do it in your own strength. And and that's not what I'm after. I'm after something that you can't do. So he told him, go and wait. Wait on the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit, for, for them and for us today, is an integral part of Christianity. And it seems like, it seems like, if you go from church to church, there's a whole lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit. Like, we understand the Heavenly Father. We understand His Son, Jesus, right? But it's the Holy Spirit that gets us the heebie-jeebies and the creepies, right? We just, like, I don't know. Because some, some translations call Him the Holy Ghost. And they're like, Ghost, I, I'm out. I don't want nothing to do with a ghost. I ain't, no, uh-uh, nope. <laughs> but what we need to do Despite all the baggage we bring to the conversation about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is to push through the the clutter of all those things. And we need to get to a place where we understand that the Holy Spirit is for you. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit's for me. The Spirit's for me. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's for you. He, he is for you. For you, and He's the third person of the Trinity. All right. Now, today, I'm going to try to demystify some of the confusion around the Holy Spirit, and hopefully, my hope is is that you'll develop a hunger and a passion for an intimate relationship with Him, and that you'll know Him too. Amen, everybody. So, so there's when we look in the Bible, there's of course lots of stories uh, in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit and His interaction with the people of the Bible, and uh, I'm going to give you two. Uh, just to show you that, that this is for you, that this is for all of us, is for all of our lives. Acts 19, verses 1 through 6, it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, so Apollos was somebody like Paul. Paul went out and planted churches, Apollos did the same thing, okay? So while Apollos is at Corinth, which by the way, Corinth is where we get, is the, the city that Paul wrote to in the two letters called the Corinthians, okay? Just want to connect some dots for you. So Apollos is there doing some work, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, which, by the way, that's the city that Paul wrote to. We get the book Ephesians, it's the, that letter there, okay? He said there he found some disciples, so some people that, that believed in Jesus, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So, so they placed their faith in Jesus, but, but they hadn't received this power yet. And Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? They said, John's baptism, they replied. So Paul brings some clarity to the conversation, and he said, oh, that's John's baptism. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, and he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, which, by the way, that was Jesus. They're like, yes, yes, that's the one. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they had been baptized with uh, with John for the repentance of their sins, just to kind of prepare their hearts that there was someone coming. And now they're getting baptized again to put their faith in Jesus. And on hearing this, so they they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on him, watch this. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now, let me show you another one. Acts 8, 5 through 12, or 5 and 12. It says, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God... In the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they arrived, they prayed for them. So, so, so they have this, this moment of salvation. They place their faith in Christ. They get baptized. And so when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on him, and they received the Holy Spirit. We see the same condition for the Spirit-empowered life, is that they had to receive the Holy Spirit. They had to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I understand why we get confused here. Because when you look into Scripture, it says that it is the Spirit of God that enables us to, to declare that Jesus is Lord. Yes, that is the case. You're like, Aaron... I've got, I, I'm saved, I said yes to Jesus, I'm going to heaven. Yes, that is the case, but you may not have had a moment where you have been, you have asked to be the, the Holy Spirit to come upon you, to fill you, to be baptized in the Spirit. That's, that, that baptism just means fully immersed in, totally surrendered to him, okay? That, that you may have salvation. You say, well, why, why didn't, didn't God put everything all together at once? Why didn't you you get saved and then automatically you got filled with the Spirit? Why, why isn't that the case? Why isn't salvation and spirit filling all at once? Well, it's because I believe that God wants salvation to be simple. That, that it has to be simple. That, that you need to understand that there's nothing you can do to receive salvation, that because it was already done, Jesus already paid the price, it is finished. Besides, there's nothing you could do that would be worthy enough of receiving salvation anyway. The Bible says that our righteousness or our ability to make ourselves right with God is like filthy rags. There's nothing that we could do to make ourselves right with God. We needed Jesus. We needed his sacrifice so that we could be made clean and made right with God. And that gift, that gift of salvation is free for us. But it's not the end of our spiritual journey. It's really just the beginning of it. And a lot of you, a lot of us today, we've gotten into a relationship with God through Christ, but that was the end of our spiritual journeys. We've done nothing else with it. We said yes to Jesus, we're going to heaven, all that's great. We're part of the spiritual family, but we haven't taken any other steps on that spiritual journey, and it's really just begun. Let me just say it, and I'm going to say it a lot today. There's more. There's more, everybody. You're going to heaven, but there's more for us all. Now, let me just kind of help you understand this for a moment. It's easy to see that I enjoy food. That's uncomfortable laughter, and I'm aware of that. I do. I enjoy a good meal. I enjoy, I'm, I'm, I, I, I enjoy food so much that I don't just like to eat it, I like to watch it, too. I like to watch it be made. I like to watch it be eaten. I like to. In fact, if you were to get on my TikTok, my FYP page, which is the For You page, it is filled with people giving recipes and showing you how to cook food even better and easier than you ever thought possible. Can I get a witness out there? Yes, good. I especially like those food challenges where people go, and it's just too much food for any human to eat, and they beat it. I like that. I'd like to think that I could do that, but I don't know if I could. But but I I do enjoy food. And I'm not sure if I'm a foodie, but I do enjoy food. And one of my favorite places to eat is the A1A Burrito Works Taco Shop. Oh, bless God. (laughs) You say, I've never heard of this before. Well, that's because you may may have not had the grand opportunity to have been in St. Augustine with me. Because, see, when I go to St. Augustine, and we have family there, when I go there, and we, we for years we took the family there, we would go to the A1A Burrito Works taco shop. <laughs> I love it so much this is a sticker right here. That's it right there because I want everybody to know about it. That's my place. <laughs> I love it. In fact, last time we were there, we were there for seven days on the beach, and I had it five of those seven days. Bless the Lord. Is that good? And no, no judgment. That's it. No judgment. I feel that. Thank you. In fact, I, I, I really enjoy this little, this little taco shack so much that my wife, some time ago, she said, you know what I think would just really be great? I would just love to surprise you with a little weekend excursion. I was like, really? Where? And she's like, there are really cheap tickets to Jacksonville, which is just short of, uh, just, just a little distance from St. Augustine. She's like, I'd like to fly you down there just to get you to the burrito works and get you a UFO. That's what they call it. That's what I eat there is a UFO. I thought that, so this is love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm talking about Shanda or the tacos. <laughs> I get a UFO, and I get a Fresca. Come on, somebody. You want to change your world. My house has Fresca in it, and it is an emotional, spiritual experience every time I take a sip out of my own two liter that's in the refrigerator. I'm just saying. Yeah, I said it right. It is a burst of refreshment. Fresca. It's good stuff. But, it, but let me tell you about, about the burrito works. It's just this little unassuming shack. You would probably drive by it because it just looks like a a dirty little hole in the wall. In fact, that's basically what it is. It is this little shack with outdoor seating, and in hot Florida, that's not desirable. There's no seating inside. There's no air conditioning when you have to go inside. You feel the full heat of outside and the heat of the grills, bless God. (laughs) It is hot. There is one spot where you can feel a fan, and you are never in that spot for very long. Never in that spot. But it's it's this little unassuming place that you would probably not think to stop there. You you just wouldn't. You would pass right by it. But there has never been a single person that I've ever taken to the A1A Burrito Works taco shop that has ever said, you know, this really wasn't worth it. Everybody that I take there goes, my goodness. My God, my God. (laughs) And then we all start planning and trying to figure out how to get one in Columbus. (laughs) But the, the thing is, my point is, people have heard me talk about it as well. And when they go to St. Augustine, they'll text me, hey, where's that taco shop? I go to the one on A1A, Beachfront Avenue. For my Vanilla Ice fans. Not the one on St. George Street. And they go, and they tell me, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because they loved it that much. Well, let me tell you something. There is a place with God that's a lot like my little taco shack. There's a place with Him that may look like you don't want to go there. It may seem like, ah, I'm not really sure about all of that. But I promise you that where God wants to take you and what he wants to do in you and for you and through you is so, so good. Amen. And those that accept the invitation to experience the more that God has for them, man, always go, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because they've never experienced anything like that, and that's what my hope is for you, is that you will choose to accept the invitation to the more that God has for you, a spirit-filled life, and all of that, all of that comes from the Holy Spirit being at work inside of you. He's got power for your life. He's got gifts for you to to build up the the church. He's work he wants to do for you, In Ephesians 4 30, it says, don't grieve God. You know that you can grieve God? you you can break his heart. He says, don't break his heart. Say, how? Well, he tells you. This is how you grieve God. This is how you break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. That's how you grieve God. You, You take the Holy Spirit, you take the gift of him for granted. It's like, it's like getting to Christmas morning and there's a tree up and there's a bunch of presents underneath of it and you open the first one and it, it's amazing. We'll call it salvation. And we celebrate it and we love it and it's so good that we just go, nah, I'm good here. I'll just leave all the other gifts underneath the tree. I ain't even gonna open them. This grieves the heart of the father who has so much more. Could you imagine being a parent having gotten, gotten all the perfect, the right gifts, the efforts that you went to to provide and make a way for your kids to have all these wonderful gifts, and they stopped at the first one, would grieve your heart. And that's what taking the Holy Spirit for granted does to God's heart. And Paul, in describing our spiritual journey, says there's more. And in 2 Corinthians 3, he talks about this this spiritual journey, and he says that our life would be filled of going from glory to glory to glory. Say glory to glory. What does that even mean? That you're living a life of, oh my goodness, can you believe it? Oh my goodness. Let me open this next. Can you believe God has this for me? Come on, somebody. It's good. I'll amen myself if you won't. I'm all right with that. (laughs) I'm all right with it. But this is supposed to be our spiritual journey. To go for all God has for us. That's what it's supposed to be. So don't take the Holy Spirit for granted. In fact, Paul urges us in the next chapter in Ephesians 5, he says, instead, so don't don't take it for granted, but instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with His Spirit is how we have power in our lives. It's how we experience all that He has for us. Amen, everybody? So how, let me get really practical here, and and there, there are three things really, really practical The first thing is, is is how how do we experience this? How are we filled with the Spirit? The first thing we need to do is remove the barriers that keep me uh, from all God has for me. You're going to have to do that. You're going to have to do that yourself because for for some of us, even even amongst Christians, uh, there, there are some barriers. There are some that are there because you put them there, and then there are some that are there that that are not your fault, like you didn't put them there. Some of you, some of you have barriers because you've had bad church experiences. Hello? And, and, and your pushback on the Holy Spirit is, is, is you saying, I, I'm turned off by the idea of the Holy Spirit, and it's not because of the Holy Spirit himself, it's because of the package that we as Christians have put him in and offered him to you through. That, that's, that's the big turnoff. We go, nah, you know, if that's what it is, if it's all awkward and weird, come on, somebody. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. You're like, no, nah, I'm going to tell you exactly what I, what I was talking about. We're like, no, I don't want the weird. I don't want the awkward. When I was 12 years old, I, I, I need you to know that as a 12-year-old boy, I love Jesus. I'd been baptized at age eight. I love going to church. I love going to Sunday school. I love getting the little gold stars. I brought my Bible. I was a student. I love Jesus. I love church. And, uh, and, and I had been baptized, but I had not been filled with the Spirit yet. That is not something I was pursuing. I'd never asked, and I was slightly resistant to it. I was really resistant to it, actually. <laughs> the reason was because I went to one of them holy roller churches. Don't know what I'm talking about? Where, where the emotional experience... And the expression of those emotions is worship more than Jesus and is. Where it is on display more than Jesus is. And I grew up in this environment. I don't think anybody in that room meant ill. So I don't want to disparage their lives or what I experienced there. Don't get me wrong. I just think it was a little misguided or a lot misguided. And so I remember being twelve. And I remember hearing the pastor had done a sermon on the Holy Spirit, and I'm mulling it over, and I'm thinking about, I'm 12, my little 12-year-old brain trying to wrap my head around what the Holy Spirit means, and I'm looking at all this stuff going on around me, because people would shout, people would wail, and i mean, like, woo, this kind of stuff, like big expressions, and they would cry, they would run during our church services, People would jump all over the place. There was one guy, he did cartwheels across the front of the service. I'm not kidding. He did a cartwheel, and when he did the cartwheel, we used to have wood pews. I think I told this story before. He did a cartwheel, and he did a cartwheel, and and he kind of got off balance, and he slammed the back of his head into the wooden pew. (laughs) Oh, he's right. And I remember seeing that going, my God, that guy's got a concussion. And everybody else was like, bless him, Lord Jesus. Well, if he was in the spirit, he won't feel it. It's fine. He'll just get right right up. But if he's in the spirit, well, I mean, if he's not in the spirit, well, God bless him. And they left him there. They went on with the rest of the service. Oh, bless him. I'm serious. I'm not kidding you. Bless him, Lord. Service is over. They're picking this guy up, still praying for him. Oh, bless him, Jesus. He's just playing in the spirit. I'm like, no, this guy's got a concussion for sure. And then they carry him out to his car, they put him in the driver's seat, and they send him home. I'm like, Mom, we need to go another way home. Find, do not follow that guy. I do, I do not want to be on the road near him. Like, it was, to me, to me, it was weird. And no wonder, as a 12-year-old boy, I'm hearing that, that you can live a spirit-filled, empowered life, and I long for that. I want the more, but I did want that. I didn't want to have to act weird because I understood the Holy Spirit made you act funny in front of people. And I don't mean funny, ha-ha. I mean funny like as in, if you're not accustomed to that, you'll go, I am never coming back to this church. They're a bunch of freaks. Funny in a way, you don't want to invite your friends to it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Again, I'm not disparaging anything, anything that happened there or any of those people. But here's what happened. I remember my pastor stopped and he said, Are there any prayer requests? And I tugged on my mama's skirt and I said, Mom, I said, I want to be filled with the spirit. And she said, Okay. I said, I think I I want to ask. She said, Okay. I said, but mom, I don't want to be weird. She said, my mom very wisely said, You don't have to be. Those people act weird because they're weird. But if you know Mama D, you know that's, that's what she's, yeah, I'm in. I think I'm thankful for her wisdom in that moment. Well, maybe you're just like me. You saw something weird, and it was attributed to the Holy Spirit. And and that weird or that awkward is nothing you want anything to do with. You're just like, I. I'm good to go. I don't want anything like that. I, I don't want to be weird. I don't want to have to do that. If I'm, I'm surrendering to the power of the Spirit in my life, he's going to make me like that. It's going to make me awkward. I, I'm, not, I'm not for that. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't mean that the Holy Spirit won't lead you into some discomfort for your personal growth and for you to, to, to grow spiritually. That's not what I'm saying. I don't think acting weird and running, doing cartwheels on the front of a service and banging your head has anything to do with spiritual growth. In fact, I don't see that anywhere in my Bible. I've been looking. And it's just not there. So if you're like me and you saw that, I just want to encourage you, don't let the package that you saw the Holy Spirit in keep you from getting everything that God has for you. Don't let it. Because here's the truth. We tend to avoid what we're afraid of or what we don't understand. So don't let... What you understand to be a barrier for all God has for you. Let's seek some fresh understanding. Let's get into scripture. And maybe, maybe you'll hear me when I say just like my mom did, you don't have to be weird. They're just weird. Because here's who God is and what we know about him and what he has for us. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from the Father. That means if God's got it for you, God has it for you, it is good first, and it is perfect. It is good, and it is perfect. There is nothing that he has for you that doesn't feel, fit underneath those two things. It is good, and it is perfect. We can take that to blank. So what do we do? Well, we've offended God. We've grieved him by rejecting his Holy Spirit, by taking him for granted. We've got to remove the, the, the barriers. You say, well, how do we do that? Well, we have to repent repentance is changing our thinking. It's let's change and walk a different direction. Let's, let's change our minds. Let's restructure our lives. Acts 2.38 says this. Peter's talking, and he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. That, that's what Jesus asked. Hey, if you're placing your faith in me, you're going to follow me, get baptized. Some of you need to do those things. It'll start with your, your salvation saying yes to Jesus, and some of you still need to get baptized, and you can do that. We just did baptisms last Sunday. We do it Every, every, the first Sunday of every month, fill out your connection card, mark the baptism spot, we'll get you baptized. But he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So salvation comes first, and then you can receive this gift of the Spirit. The promise, watch this, is for you, it's for your kids, and it's for all those who don't even know God. For all those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So we need to take a step towards God's ways, and we need to repent. Second, very practical thing we need to do is ask God to give us all that he has for us. God, give us us all that, that you have. If you've got it, I want it. Because all that we have is not all that God has. You need to understand that no matter how long you've been following Jesus, even if you are faithful to take steps and are faithful to grow, you still don't have all that God has for you just because you feel like you've got a lot. You don't have it. And I'm inviting you to repent first, and then I'm inviting you to ask God for all that he has for you. And that's something that you can pray on a regular basis. It's something you can say, God, man, you've been doing so much in me, and I am so thankful for it, but I want everything you've got, so don't stop. Don't let off the gas now. Let's keep going. Ezekiel, uh, the prophet, saw this vision about the New Testament church He's in Ezekiel 47, verse 3, he says, As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off 1,000 cubits, and then he led me through water that was ankle-deep. So what does this mean? He's talking about the New Testament church. He's talking about us. Most of us are into Christianity about ankle-deep. You've said yes to Jesus. You're saved. You're going to heaven. You're in the family. Congratulations. But that's not the end of your experience with God. There is more. He continues on. He says, and then he goes and measures off another 1,000 cubits and led me through water that was knee-deep. So, so what does knee-deep look like? Knee-deep is like, all right, we're, we're going to get immersed in this a little bit. Maybe you're going to join a group. Uh, maybe, maybe you're going to serve on a dream team. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're, you're not just going to be a casual Sunday attender. You're, you're going to be here when the doors are open because you understand there is more. You're a knee-deep. Then it says, he measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. Now, when you get into a river that is up to your waist, you begin to start feeling something, right? Because that river has got to flow. That river's got a, a pull to it. And when you are waist deep, you can start to feel that because now it's, now it's affecting your center of gravity and it's pulling us, right? And we get into the river and it's pulling us with its current. What happens is we all start to brace ourselves a little bit. We dig in our heels and we go, no, you ain't taking me. Uh-uh, I'm not going. You're pulling me, but I ain't going anywhere. I'm staying right here, right? And I think that's what happens in our spiritual lives. We get waist deep and we start to feel God pulling us into a place, and that feels a little out of control for us. Uh-oh, I'm getting your business now. That feels a little out of control for us, because maybe it's unfamiliar to us, or maybe we've never done it before, like lead a grow group, come to prayer on Saturday morning. We've never done these things. These are deeper waters. And God is pulling us, and we resist a little bit. It's but I'm telling you, in this position of resistance, it's a dangerous place. It is a dangerous place to resist what God is trying to do in your life. It's dangerous. God has more for you, and the more is found on the other side of you relinquishing control. For example, many of you come to church, and we have, we have in our Bible verses. and And I am not shaming anybody. I need to be very, very clear. I'm just saying that the invitation is there and that God is very clear. We come to church and we have this song service. And God is very clear. He gave us 150 chapters in the Bible on how he likes to be loved. It's his love language. He's like clapping, shouting, singing, raising hands, bowing. He gives us all these ways To worship or express love to him physically and the ways that he enjoys it. The scripture says, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And on Sundays we sit there with our hands in our pockets. Oh, it's an invitation to more. We're in the deep waters, but we resist. Scripture says, Lift up holy hands in prayer, lift hands in a sanctuary and bless the Lord. We got our hands in our pockets. God has more. Man, you can't even understand how freeing it is to lift your hands to worship God. You can't even understand the beauty of that experience, and you never will because you've got your hands in your pockets. You say, well, everybody's watching me. No, they ain't. No, they're not. And if they are, who cares? They didn't do anything to save you. They didn't do anything to provide eternity in heaven for for you. Who cares? Who cares? But they're going to judge me. And? It'll be over in 15 minutes. Like, just move on with your life. Because you know what? If we all did it, then they would be the ones left out. Come on. How about we be, we be thermostats and not thermometers? You know what I mean? Let's control the temperature in the room instead of just responding and telling everybody, well, there's just, there's just nobody doing it. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. God has more for you. He has more. Lifting your hands during worship, let me tell you, it's so freeing. It's like like a child running into the arms of your parents. Oh, it feels so good. As an adult, I miss those times. The safety and the security of running into the arms of mom and dad. The comfort. (sighs) There's nothing like it. Oh, you're going to heaven. It's all good. She's just never going to experience the more. The more. Unless you try it. funny thing is, we don't mind doing all those things at the shoe oh. Or at the bar, cheering for our favorite team. We're high-fiving, we're shouting, we're clapping, we're rooting. We come Sunday, all of a sudden our hands are stuck. Can't get them out. And we, we shout, we hoot and holler. For some guys carrying a ball down a field who don't know your name and ain't never going to do nothing for you. They don't care about you. But the God of your universe who created you knows you by name, knows how many hairs are on your head. That's how intimately he is acquainted with you. We got to stand with our hands in our pockets and go, well, I know I know you like to be loved this way, but I'm just going to go ahead and do my thing. And I'm not shaming you. I'm not shaming you. I just don't understand it. Some of you are like, well, I've never done it before. Don't live by that. that. That can't be the rule for your life. There's lots of things you ain't never done that you did and you found you enjoyed them. And I'm telling you, this is something that God is inviting you to. It is part of the more. It is part of the more. <clears throat> it's dangerous to be waist-deep, a waist-deep Christian resisting what God has for you. Ezekiel goes on. He says he measured off another thousand. And now, now it was a river that I could not cross. And now he's totally lost control. He's gone deep. He couldn't get across it. He can't touch the bottom. And that's when you're just being carried along. And this is the place God wants us, where we are carried by his spirit. We are carried by his power. He said, because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. God's going to take you where he wants you to go. That's what that river being too deep is all about. And and back to that church service where I told you that I talked on my mama's skirt when I was 12 years old. You know, I talked on her skirt, and I said, I, 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 I don't want to do that because I don't want to be weird. And she said, you don't have to be. They're just weird. And the pastor's asking for prayer requests. And so I lifted my hand because nobody else was offering any prayer requests. But it was a small church. It was a Sunday night service. when we used to do that. And I remember my pastor pointing me out. He said, yeah, Aaron. I said, oh, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled. I want what God has for me. And uh, you'd have thought that I came in there with, like, an Uzi and shut down the service, like, for real, because it did. It shut down the whole church service. The pastor didn't even preach that night. They said, church? He took it very serious. He said, Aaron wants to be filled with the Spirit. So they brought me down to the front, and they laid hands on me, and they prayed. And I was filled with the Spirit, and I spoke in tongues. I still speak in tongues to this day. You might hear me some morning. If you sit up here on the front row with me, say, hey, that's weird. No, that's not. It's in the Bible. You might hear, hear me do it on Saturday mornings during prayer, but I'm not doing it loud, and I'm not trying to interrupt anybody or be weird or disruptive. It's in your Bible. We can talk more about it. But I don't yell. I don't wail. I don't cartwheel. <laughs> hey, here's a hot tip. I wouldn't do any of those things anyway. Well, I might yell, but I, but I, but I ain't going to wail or run and cartwheel. Bible says only the wicked run when no one's chasing them. I don't do that (laughs) stuff. Here's what I want to encourage you to do, church. My time is running out. I I want to encourage you to take your own journey. I want to encourage you to take your own journey. Take it at your own speed. But my goodness, do not stay where you're at. God has more. He has more for you. That's why I give you an invite. And I give this invite all the time. And it's, it, it's give us a year of your life. We ask for you to give us a year of your life here at this church. Do everything that we do. This is common language. We talk about it all the time. I know I'm not preaching anything new. For those of you who are looking for something brand new. but I'm still, still inviting. Do, do everything that we do. Join us daily online for the, for the 21 days of, of prayer. Join us daily. Come to prayer on Saturday. Join a group. Lead a group. Go to Growth Track if you haven't gone to Growth Track. We've got a digital Growth Track coming up here very soon. Where you'll be able to take it and you won't have to even stay here. We realize that that's a barrier for some parents who have children because I've because got nothing for your kids to do while you go to Growth Track. I get it. So, so we're working on this digital Growth Track. Get on a dream team. Serve somebody. Man, you want to sleep well at night? You want to have the most fulfilled life that you can possibly have? Go for all that God has for you. Go for all that God has for you. Do all that we do. What will it look like if you do? Well, Ezekiel finishes it up and he says, swarms of living creatures will live wherever this river flows. There's life in the river. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. It actually changes the consistency of the water around it because fresh water's flowing into salt water so where the river flows everything will live so here's the practical steps again repent of and remove the barriers to god tell him you want all that he has for you and here's finally the goal is that you'll develop an intimate relationship with the holy spirit why did jesus tell them not to do anything at all until they got the holy spirit because i mean hadn't he just spent the last three years teaching them training them they spent sun up till sundown with jesus didn't they have it yet no, because, I mean, when Jesus got in trouble, Peter denied Jesus three times, didn't he? hmm Yep, and all of them distanced themselves. You know who showed up for the cross? John and, and the women in the group. The boys were all looking in the bushes and hiding. It's true. It's what our Bible says. Well, not necessarily about them looking through the bushes. I just mean they, they weren't there. <laughs> I made that part up. But I have to imagine that if if your best friend was up there dying on a hill, that, that you'd want to see what was going on. But what's interesting is Peter denies Jesus three times, and then 50 days later, he's out in front of the entire city preaching, and 3,000 people get saved. What changed? Only one thing. The Holy Spirit came upon them. That's the only thing that changed. It was Acts 2. He was filled with the Spirit. Salvation is important. But now that you're saved be filled with the holy spirit it will transform you you can have what paul talks about in second corinthians 13 the amazing grace of the master jesus christ the extravagant excuse me the extravagant love of god the intimate friendship of the holy spirit be with all of you you can have that do you know the word for the holy one of the other words for the holy spirit that is used is the word paraclete means helper it's helper It it, it essentially describes imagery where you pick up one end of something and he picks up the other and you carry something together. Hmm. You carry that, which you just just could not carry on your own. And if you want that to be filled, to live the spirit-empowered life, I'm just gonna ask you all to say amen right here. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I'm just asking you today, I'm just asking you to fill us, to fill us with your spirit. Lord, those who said amen, they desire to live a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered life. And Lord, for some of us, that that means we need to repent. We've got to remove some barriers out of the way. And so God, some of us know what those barriers are. Other of us, maybe we don't. Maybe there's a sin issue. Maybe, maybe there's some unforgiveness we've been holding on to. Maybe maybe whatever it is, maybe we just have no idea what it is, so God, we just ask you to reveal to us, what are those barriers to knowing, knowing you better and to having your spirit fill us? We pray that you would show us so that we can repent, so that we can turn away from those ways. Lord, we pray that, that as we as we... We are in this space as we repent, as we actively work to remove those barriers, that we would daily seek all that you have for us, that we would seek the fruit of the Spirit to be formed within us, that we would seek the gifts of the Spirit to be active in us for the building up of your church, that we would seek his power, his guidance, his wisdom, and his help. We pray that moment by moment, Lord, moment by moment we would develop that intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit by talking to him by listening to him and ultimately by following him Lord we long for this spirit filled life and we pray that you would help us to have it by filling us now if you're here today I, I just want to want to want to say if you're ready for that if you're like man Aaron the, I, I, I know I can, I've done the work I know that the that I've got, got some barriers to remove, but I want to let God know that I want to be filled. Would you just, where you're at, would you just whisper, fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. That's the invitation today. Just let that prayer slip from your lips. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Now, for others of you in this room, you need to understand that salvation is first. That's the first step, saying yes to Jesus. Receiving the gift that he has for you. It's free. It'll it'll make you right with God. It'll forgive you of all of your sins. It'll uh, give you a a spiritual adoption into this family. And there's nothing you have to do for it. All you need to do is say yes. Jesus did all the work for it. It's a free gift. So if today you're ready to receive that free gift, if today you're ready to be made brand new, to get a fresh start, to go from, from talking to God as just a God as, as an outsider to being in the family and saying Father to being a son or a daughter if you're ready you feel that tugging in your heart right now by the way that's the Holy Spirit drawing you to Jesus so if you're ready to pray that prayer I'm going to give you the words and the only thing I'm going to ask you to do in this moment is to let me know that's you would you just slip your hand up now and say Aaron I'm ready I'm doing that now I'm doing it today come on let me see your hand don't be afraid. Don't worry about nobody around you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down now. Thank you. For some of you, that, that, that needs to be a recommitment prayer. And if that's you, you put your hand up now. Let's Say, yeah, that's me. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Let's everybody pray together. Nobody prays by themselves. If you're joining us online and you're praying this prayer, pray out loud. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. And make me brand new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm so proud of you today. Come on, guys. Can we celebrate with those who said yes?
1: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved.